In September 2015, I, I remember it was a Friday morning, bright sunshine morning, hot morning. I pulled up to church because I was coming to uh, get my sermon prepared for Sunday. And I, as I pull in, I see there's a man sitting right here on uh, the stone right outside here. And so I pulled up, and I'm all excited. I've only you know, been a pastor for two, three months. At that time, I'm excited to talk to anybody who will listen to me. Uh, Nothing's really changed in that department, but um, so I pull up, I get out of the car, and uh, I introduce myself, and I said, I'm, I'm Stephen, I'm the pastor here at Peace Lutheran Church. And the man said, wow, you're the pastor? I said, yes, sir, I, I certainly am. And he said, that's great. Do you mind buying me a beer at Sefco? And I said, well, why don't you come on inside? And so he came inside, and I talking with him, I said, look, I'm not going to buy you a beer, uh, but you can have the cookies that are sitting here and, and some water if you want, which he did. And I talked with him, and as he was eating his cookies, I uh, shared Jesus with him, and I said, you know, we, we have refreshments every Sunday morning. If you want to come back for Sunday worship, you can have all the refreshments that you want. You can have juice, you can have coffee, we have donuts, cookies, uh, whatever you want, come back. That man left that day, and I had no idea if he would ever show up again. But I shared the peace of Jesus with him. As Christians, what do we want to do? We want to tell people about Jesus, right? Yes, we want to provide for their physical needs. But we want the physical to lead to the spiritual, right? Jesus himself tells us uh, that we want to take care of people's needs, that we want to provide for, for their needs. We want to use our wealth and our abundance to help others. That's loving our neighbors. But what are we hoping to accomplish with that? Is it just simply to help somebody? Or is there more to it? And as you can probably guess, we're going to look at God's Word today. We're going to look at the early Christian church and see what they did. Uh, we are in the first century Jesus has risen from the dead. We're about 70 days after Jesus uh, rose from the dead. We're in Acts chapter 3 this morning, and here's what we're told. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer, at 3 in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold, I do not have. But what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple uh, gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened. Okay, so one day, Peter and John are walking into the temple, and they walk by the gate called Beautiful. Here's a, a picture of the temple. You've got the temple walls on the outside. Uh, here's where you would enter. You've got entrances on all four sides. Uh, this right here would be the gate called Beautiful, right inside here. Uh, the Jewish people would walk into here. This is where they'd have their sacrifices. And then the, the priests would go into here and they would light incense. And then in this back room is the Holy of Holies. That's where the high priest would only enter once a year. 
and they would be the only ones who could enter. Because in the Holy of Holies, God dwelt. That's where God was. And so once a year, the, the, priest would go, the high priest would go into there uh, to sprinkle blood to make peace with God and the people. That was a little history lesson on the temple. We're just dealing right here. Because this is where the man would, would be placed every single day. And every Jew that would come in to make the sacrifice would pass this guy. And as they pass him, he would say, you have some money. Can you spare some change? This man, we're told, was, uh, he couldn't walk from birth. Some, he had some kind of uh, disease, something happened where he wasn't able to walk ever. And, and in that culture, when you couldn't walk, you couldn't work. And if you couldn't work, you only had one way to make money, and that was to beg. And so this man was placed here for 8 to 10 hours a day, sitting there, saying over and over again, Spare some change? You have some money? You have some money? And Peter and John walk in. And the man does what he always does. Can you spare some change? And Peter stops directly in his path. Because what does Peter know? He knows that God wants all people to be saved, including this man, and come to the knowledge of the truth. Peter knows that God so loved the world, including this man, that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And so Peter stops in his tracks and he looks directly at the man. He says, look at us. The man looks up and Peter says, bad news. I don't have silver or gold. But what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, walk. And this man, who 30, 40, 50 years has never walked once, gets up and he walks. He walks and he jumps and he's praising God. Think of how tremendous of a healing this one uh, this was. How complete. This man has never walked. The muscles that have never moved, his bones that have never been able to support him, now all of a sudden, he gets up and begins to walk without a single moment of rehab. That's how complete this healing was. And he goes around and he's praising God. But did you notice what Peter did? Peter took the physical, he used the physical to get to the spiritual. This man had a physical need. He had a physical need. It was that he couldn't walk. He needed people to give money so that he could have refreshment, so that he could have relief, so that he could have food, so that he could have drink. He relied on other people. He had a physical need. And Peter said, I see your need, but I'm going to lead you to the spiritual. And he introduced him to Jesus of Nazareth, who healed him and made the man walk. Now we sit there and we look at Peter and we say, wow, that's really great, Peter, but uh, I I can't do that. Um, I've never healed anybody and I never will be able to heal anybody. And that's probably true. Uh, I won't either. But what's behind Peter's actions? It's love and compassion, right? That he showed kindness to somebody and physically helped them and then led them to Jesus. He boomeranged it back and pointed their eyes to Jesus because it's all about Jesus. Right? And that's what we want to do. We want to uh, help people physically, 
but then always point their eyes back to their Savior. Because it's their Savior who heals them spiritually. And that is our greatest need. And as a church here at Peace, we've done a pretty good job over the last three years of helping people physically. We have participated in the angel tree in Liberty Hill, which is we've adopted angels, they call them children, who aren't going to get Christmas presents on Christmas morning, and we have provided Christmas presents for them so that on Christmas morning they have gifts to open. We've taken food donations and, and we've done food drives to fill the pantries at, at uh, the food pantry at Operation Liberty Hill so that people who can't afford food can go there and, and get food. Uh, two years ago, we realized there was a big need for moms in the community uh, to have a place to bring their kids and, and have a, a play date. And so Ann started a Mornings with Mommy program. Three years ago, uh, we, as a church, realized that in the summertime in Liberty Hill, nothing happens. There's nothing for families to do. And so we approached the newspaper, The Independent, and said, let's start something. And they said, we love it. We started the Independent Day celebration, the 4th of July celebration here in Liberty Hill. Last year they had 3,000 people there, and we're expecting even more this year. And we started it. Why? Because there was a need. We've seen there's a need for private education, and so what are we doing? We're bringing Christian education to Liberty Hill so that kids not only receive Christ, but they also receive a fantastic education to go on to high school and college. We have done a great job of seeing and filling people's needs in our community. But are we always leveraging those situations when we provide people with physical help to lead them to the spiritual? Are we leveraging the situations to help somebody with their physical need to lead them to Jesus? That's what Peter did. He led this person to Jesus. He provided for the man's physical needs and then pointed his eyes to the Savior, Jesus of Nazareth. And when Peter did this, the man got up and he walked and he began praising God. And people took notice. And here's what happened. While the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. Did you see where that was on the map? I'll go back a few slides. Solomon's porch, Solomon's Colonnade. So they started at this gate. He was healed. He's running around jumping. And the crowd comes rushing from all over here and they kind of pin him into Solomon's porch or Solomon's colonnade. And Peter sees all these people coming. And so what's he do? When Peter saw this, he said to them, Fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? The God of Abraham... Isaac and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified His servant Jesus. You handed Him over to be killed, and you disowned Him before Pilate, though He had decided to let Him go. You disowned the Holy and Righteous One and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised Him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can all see. 
All of these people are running to Peter and John. And it makes sense, doesn't it? If you were to see that happen, you'd want to know who these guys are and how they healed this man who's been paralyzed for 30 to 40 years. And so they all come running. What does Peter do? He says, take your eyes off of us and look to your Savior. He redirects them and says, not about us, it's all about Jesus. Let me tell you about Him. But did you notice His message? Do you notice what He said? It's your second point today. Peter used the same spiritual message. And if you're wondering what the same spiritual message is, it's the same from last week. I'm going to tell you about it here in a minute. He used the same spiritual message. Let me go back just a a slide here. Everyone comes running to Peter. And they're wondering, what happened? How did this happen? And Peter says, get your eyes off of us. Let me tell you what happened. What would be the natural transition? For me, it would be this line right here. Let me tell you what happened. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is in Jesus' name and the faith that comes through Him that He has completely healed him, as you can all see. That would seem natural, wouldn't it? Peter explains what happens. But what's he take time to do first? Tell them what they did to Jesus. Tell them what they did to Jesus. Remember last week we said, uh, what does our message contain when we tell others about Jesus? Who Jesus is, what we've done to Him, And then what He's done for us. In other words, we have to preach law and gospel. We have to show people their sin, including us. We need to see that too. And that's what Peter does. He could very easily just go straight into, this man was healed because Jesus healed him. But no, he says, let me tell you about Jesus. He's the holy and righteous one. He's God. And you killed Him. And you killed Him. And then he tells them the good news of how Jesus healed this man. He was raised to life and he healed this man. He used the same spiritual message, law and gospel. He shows them their sins. And so let me ask you, where do you see sin in this for yourself? When we read God's Word devotionally, we always want to say, we always want to look for where's the sin and where's God's grace. And so where's the sin? I'll tell you what the sin is for myself, and maybe you can relate. Peter and John have all these people running to them. They just had this fantastic healing. And whose eyes did they point to? They point everyone's eyes to Jesus. They said, it's not about us. It's not about me. It's about my Savior. Let me tell you about Him. We start off with godly and pure intentions. We want to help people. We want to provide for them physically. We, we want to uh, provide meals for them and, and so on. And yet when people start to notice, when people start to notice what we do, do we always point their eyes to their Savior? Or do we let them keep their eyes on us? People start to compliment us and say how generous we are. They start to say how much we love uh, to help people out. And pretty soon we start to say, thank you. And inside we begin to fill with pride. And we say to ourselves, I do have a pretty generous heart. 
we do love people. And then our motivation changes, doesn't it, for helping people. It's no longer because we want to lead them to their Savior and, and, and tell them about their spiritual needs. And it becomes, uh, I want to help people because I like the recognition. I like when people say thank you to me. I like it when people realize just what I do to help others. I like it. And I don't want to lose it. I want the glory. I want the praise. And I quit telling people about Jesus. I quit taking their eyes off of me and giving glory to God. And why is this a big deal? Because who gives us the ability? Who gives us the wealth? It's God our Savior, isn't it? And on the grand scheme of things, is taking glory from God really that big of a deal? Is it that big of a sin? Let me take you all the way back to the very beginning of time in the Garden of of Eden, when Adam and Eve were perfect. God created them. Adam and Eve were perfect. God said, you can eat from any tree in this garden, just don't eat from this one right here. That one's reserved for me. That one's mine. You can eat from anything else. But then along comes Satan. He slithers along and he says, did God really say you can't eat from any tree in the garden? No, we can eat from any tree. We just can't eat from this one. This one's reserved for God. And Satan said, the reason God doesn't want you to eat from that one is because He knows you'll be like Him. And Adam and Eve wanted that glory. The glory reserved for God alone. And so they took that fruit and they ate. They took God's glory and ate. When we help people, we want to provide for their needs. We want to volunteer. And when people start taking notice of how we are helping others and loving others, if we steal glory from God, we deserve only what Adam and Eve deserved and what they ended up ultimately getting. And that's death. The wages of sin is death. Not the wages of big sins, but the wages of sin is death. Even something as small in our eyes as stealing glory from God. It deserves death. And Peter let these people know what they've done to Jesus. He says, you crucified Him. We've stolen His glory. We deserve the same thing. But Peter says, there's good news. Here's what he says. Now fellow Israelites, I know that you acted in ignorance as did your leaders. But this is how God fulfilled what He had foretold through all the prophets, saying that His Messiah would suffer. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord, and that He may send the Messiah who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. Peter says, Repent and turn to the Lord and your sins will be wiped out. Think of how incredible this is. Who's Peter telling this to? The very people who crucified God. Peter says, turn to Him and He will wipe out your sins. Have you ever heard somebody say, man, I can't go to church. If I walk into church, lightning's going to strike. What are they saying? They're saying that they're too sinful to come into God's presence. God would strike them down. Peter just said, the ones who crucified God Himself can have forgiveness. Is there a worse sin 
that you could ever think of. No. And Peter says, if these people can turn to God and receive forgiveness, and the same is true for you, the same is true for me, it's true for the entire world. There is no sin unforgivable. When Jesus died on the cross, He shed His blood, not for, small, or not for big sins, not for small sins, not for good people. He, he shed His blood for all sins and all people. And it is through this message that true refreshment and relief comes from. It's kind of like this. This is a dry erase board, and this is a permanent marker. I am not supposed to draw this on here because it won't come out. You and I, we are stained with sin. And no matter how hard we try, we cannot get this off. This is on here, and it's not getting removed. And no matter how hard we try, no matter what we do to make up for past mistakes, there it stains our hearts, and we know we're stained. And you, see, and you know how you know it? Because you go to bed at night feeling guilty. When you think of past sins, you feel embarrassed and you're filled with guilt. And no matter how hard you try, it's not getting off. You're stained. I'm stained. And no matter what we do, we just tire ourselves out trying to get rid of the stain. But when Jesus died on the cross, He shed His blood. And His blood covered our sins. covered our sins, covered every single sin that this world has ever committed. The big ones, the small ones, the ones that we look on the news and we say, how could anyone in their right mind ever do that? Jesus' blood covered our sins. And this is the message. When we repent and we turn to God, God wipes our sins clean. This is you before God. Clean. Sins wiped out. Guilt-free. At peace with God your Father because Jesus shed His blood to take away all of your sins. Your record is clean. You are at peace. Heaven is yours. Every single physical need that you have right now is going to be met because they're only temporary. Because you have the lasting joys of heaven where every single physical need will be met for eternity. When that man left that Friday morning, I had no idea if I'd ever see him again. Sunday rolled around, and he showed up for refreshments. <laughs> he didn't show up for church. He showed up for refreshments. But I kept telling him about Jesus. And just a few months later, Louis B. joined our church. He joined our church because he knew that there was more than just his physical needs that have been met here. His spiritual needs had been met. He knew that his record has been wiped clean before Jesus, sinless before God our Father. This is what brings true refreshment. This is what brings true relief. This is what brings eternal comfort and joy forever. And this is why we provide for people's physical needs, right? We provide for their physical needs so that we can tell them about their Savior who has healed everyone for eternity. This is a message that you have. This is a message that I have. And we boldly proclaim it to the world. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, we, we praise and thank you.
for the life-saving work that you've done for us. We thank you that you have brought us to this knowledge that our sins are wiped out, that we are completely at peace with you forever, that no sin is too great that your blood hasn't uh, been shed for and that has been forgiven and wiped off of our record. We ask you to send your Holy Spirit into our hearts to strengthen our faith in this message and to send us out to spread this message uh, boldly and courageously to a world who so desperately needs it, that more and more people may have relief and refreshment from the burden of their sin and the guilt that so easily uh, weighs on us. Be with us, Lord. Continue to grow in this message. Amen.